Welcome to Radio KBPV, Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, a podcast about the history of southwestern Alberta, presented by Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village of Pincher Creek, a museum complex that documents the stories of Western Canada's agricultural settlement through the preservation of local buildings and artifacts among a six-acre park. Pincher Creek is a town of 3,700 souls in a vast rural trading area of some 3,000 rural dwellers. A vibrant region of rolling prairie, foothills, the Rocky Mountains, the Pecani First Nation, Waterton Lakes National Park, the Crow's Nest Pass, and the Upper River Watershed of the South Saskatchewan River Basin. Join us in this podcast where we present walking tours of our buildings and hear the stories of the farmers, townsmen, cowboys, mounties, pioneer women, politicians, chroniclers, miners, railroaders, and so many other significant histories of this particular corner of Canada. Well, howdy, and welcome back to Radio KBPV, a podcast of the Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. My name is Ranger Gord, and today it is May 21st, 2021, although the outside, you wouldn't guess it, as we are into a very significant snowstorm, a spring snowstorm, that is uh, impeding our progress from uh, getting into summer as is the uh, ongoing pandemic which is causing us all sorts of issues and problems uh, even in the museum world as we struggle with um, our opening uh, strategies but at any rate we hope that uh, with vaccinations that those things will start to resolve themselves but today i'd just like to provide you with a little bit of distraction and uh, hopefully give you a little bit of a uh, nostalgia to anybody who grew up listening to radio in Alberta in the 1970s and 80s and also show you of a, a small initiative that a uh, an Alberta corporation did to try to help preserve Alberta heritage and it has a Pincher Creek connection and that's why we are calling this our Alberta heritage. Now the Calgary Power Company began in 1911 uh, with a dam on the uh, Bow River in Seabee, Alberta, which is uh, between Banff and Calgary. And later uh, they developed the Kananaskis Falls Dam in 1913 and uh, later on that the Ghost River uh, Reservoir near Cochrane. Um, today that that company is known as Transalta Corporation and has been since 1981, I believe. Yes, that's 1981 here on my sheet. Now, uh, I'm not getting any boost here or financial boost whatsoever from Transalta. Um, I'm here more to talk about uh, a public relations initiative they did in the early 1970s. Now, in uh, around 1967, and probably continuing up into 1974, there was a great interest in the promotion of Canadian history, beginning, of course, with the centennial of the country in 1967. And I would take that right up onto the uh, the centennial of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in 1973 and 1974, and uh, initiatives to uh, 
promote their arrival into southern Alberta, which of course has great impact on southwestern Alberta, and in particular Fort McLeod and Pincher Creek as well. The Calgary Power produced a series of, uh, I would say, promotional leaflets that were distributed to schools. And if you hear that, I have two copies of those. I have those um, from when I was a kid in school, and I, I can't remember if I got a copy or if my siblings got copies, but at any rate, they're in my own personal collection. And I believe there are copies in the uh, collection of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Archives as well. And as a kid, I just poured through these things. It's probably one of the leading you know, uh, factors in my becoming a historian in whatever it is I do. Now, from those little historical vignettes, uh, Calgary Power also produced uh, our Alberta Heritage series of booklets. These were uh, a small uh, series of books uh, researched and written, commissioned by a man named uh, Jacques Hamilton. And I believe there was five different editions. There was uh, people, places, progress. Sometimes you will find these in a slipcase set, and sometimes you will find them in a collected in a hardbound volume. But often you will see these uh, in libraries and at garage sales and things like that called the Arabara Heritage Series. And I believe there are either four or five booklets in the series. And if you see them, um, you know, pick one up. You know, they're, they're fairly minor, uh, good little stories that uh, will just give you a little background and hopefully tantalize you a little bit about Alberta history. Now, going along with that, and the reason I brought in radio into this, Calgary Power also produced a series of commercials um, starting in about 1972, if the internet can be believed, and ending sometime in the 1980s. But uh, I, I remember hearing them mostly through the early to mid-1970s. And they would just show up, you know, in between, uh, you know, news breaks or songs or such. And uh, they were very distinctive. It had a very distinctive opening with a very... Uh, orchestral sort of a symphony that uh, you know gave you a very stirring introduction and then you would be followed by the voice of none other than uh, Southwest Alberta's own Andy Russell and I'll talk about him. Andy Russell was a Canadian wilderness guide, outfitter, author, photographer, filmmaker, rancher, conservationist, and environmentalist. And many of you that are listening from the Pincher Creek area will know where his Hawkshead Ranch was on the way to Waterton. Uh, nestled right up into the hills, right up against the mountain. Um, born in 1915, uh, his parents ranched on the on uh, prairies at the foot of the Rocky Mountains near Drywood Creek where Andy grew up and uh, began training horses for the legendary Burt Riggle as an outfitter to uh, for hunters and tourists into the Rocky Mountains and into southeastern British Columbia. Uh, Russell of course married into the Riggle family and raised five children of his own both who have also had uh, influences on environmental systems and on filmmaking and that sort of a thing. 
Um, around about the 1950s, uh, Andy started to uh, branch out into writing and into filmmaking. And, of course, uh, was a leader in the environmentalist movement. And even at one point, uh, ran for federal office in 1972 in the Lethbridge District um, for the Pierre Trudeau Liberals. Now, everybody can tell you that in Alberta, that's uh, not a political advancement move. And uh, he lost that election. But uh, according to what I am told through the Internet as well, Andy was the first... uh, uh, candidate to ever run on a purely environmental platform. Now you hear a lot of that is uh, often on people's sleeves, things like that, in 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 political campaigns today. But uh, Andy walked the walk and and li- talked the talk, and he wasn't always, uh, I guess, uh, thanked for that. Uh, but uh, he remained true to his convictions that. Uh, the, uh, the natural resources and especially the wildlife of southwestern Alberta needed to be preserved in some way. And so there is that legacy. Now, Andy, of course, was also commissioned uh, to produce these our Alberta Heritage uh, vignettes. Uh, so in little 60-second bursts, we would get those vignettes. I would love to know where those recordings ended up. I've done a search through the Glenbow, through the White Museum, through our own archives. And unfortunately, radio commercials are, are usually a fleeting thing. But like I said, I do have the scripts. And I've often thought that I should probably read some of those out, um, maybe perhaps on this, on this podcast. But a further impetus to do so uh, came recently from a night on my couch watching TV. I was going through Amazon Prime's uh, selection looking for something a little bit more intelligent than the usual movies or cartoons and I find a 1961 black and white uh, television interview series with uh, the former president at that time Harry S. Truman and uh, this was part of an interview series that was done on uh, one of the American networks but at any rate, uh, as I'm sitting here, I click there, and the theme to the uh, to the TV show that President Truman is being interviewed on, I recognize right away. Um, I don't know what part of recess uh, in my brain hits this, but I realized this was the exact same piece of music that was utilized on the R. Alberta Heritage commercials. Well, the internet, as I've explained, is a wonderful thing, and it didn't take me long to find out that this was an orchestral piece written by a man named Robert Farnan, and typically, and I guess uh, appropriately, it is called Gateway to the West. And of course, uh, it didn't take me long to find a copy of that. So with these scripts, and with that underlying theme, that was utilized. Um, I hope to try to recreate this. And of course, I do not have Andy Russell's voice. And even though I'm noted as a mimic and someone who loves to do cartoon impressions and things like that, um, I have more respect for the late Andy Russell than to try to mimic his voice as well. So you'll just have to suffer through mine. 
as I try to recreate some of the R. Alberta Heritage minutes. And I'm not going to do the whole script. Uh, I'm just going to do some selections that pertain mostly to southern and southwest Alberta that I hope you will find entertaining. So the next thing you should hear should be the opening to Gateway to the West. And But it is not a Calgary Power commercial. Our Alberta Heritage from Calgary Power. George Lane. It takes a great deal of enterprise initiative and good old-fashioned hard work to start as a cowhand working for $35 a month and just a quarter of a century later to be able to back the first Calgary Stampede to the tune of $100,000. That's what George Lane did. When he was offered a job at the Bar U Ranch at Pekisco in 1884, he came a-gallopin'. For seven years he worked hard building and improving the herds bossing the big annual roundup and saving his money. And George Lane, one-time cowhand, eventually owned the Bar U with its 150,000 acres of land supporting 10,000 head of cattle and hundreds of the world's finest Percheron horses. We're proud to salute George Lane and men like him, men whose leadership, imagination and rugged independence are written into the history and heritage of our Alberta. Calgary's first citizen. They called him Sam, the man who was there before the mountains grew up when he greeted the Mounties at Calgary in 1875. Sam Livingston had original ideas. He also had the imagination and ability to carry them out. He was the first to cultivate land and reap a harvest in the Calgary area. On his farm he raised the first Alberta fruit trees, vegetables, grain crops, and 14 children. His leadership and enterprise in developing and promoting the area drew many people to the province. Today, Sam Livingston's log home and barn stand in Calgary's Heritage Park, located entirely on land he originally cultivated. He was Calgary's first citizen, a great pioneer and a large figure in the heritage of our Alberta. Okotoks' Big Rock. The scenic grandeur of our Alberta often has a tendency to spoil the traveler for the many outstanding but lesser known wonders of nature scattered throughout our province. One of these is the Big Rock. Where it came from we can only guess because it is the only mass of stone of its kind in the area. You can see it near the southern Alberta town of Okotoks on the Turner Valley Road. Yes, there it is, all 18,000 tons of it. It was there when buffalo roamed the land long before the arrival of the First Nations who wove many legends around it. It will always be there, solid, permanent, like the land itself, like the people who came to inhabit the land. These were independent, proud people known for the courage and leadership they displayed when they made their home in our Alberta. Pincher Creek and its Glider Club. A hundred years ago, a prospector in southern Alberta dropped his pinchers in a swirling creek. The tool was eventually recovered, but the incident left the name, Pincher Creek. 
Today, Pincher Creek, which has been the scene of many historical happenings, headquarters to a wonderfully interesting sport, a free flight group that swiftly and silently rides the thermal units of the air with graceful gliders. For members of the Pincher Creek Glider Club, there are Department of Transport Okade gliders, and some have constructed their own craft. The club is proud of its safety record, and Pincher Creek looks happily on as the flyers drift lazily even higher than the stately eagle. All Alberta is proud of the town with roots deep in the pioneer era and its head in the clouds in the form of one of today's most daring and beautiful sports. Alberta's colorful stage drivers. Frank Pollinger, Polly they called him, drove the McLeod to Lethbridge stagecoach. That job called for iron nerve and skill in handling horses. Well, Polly had plenty of both. Colonel Steele of the Lethbridge garrison never forgot the day he challenged Polly to race to the ferry. Off they went, the colonel and his open Democrat, Polly driving his stagecoach. Four and four. Suddenly he yelled to his passengers, Hang on! With a swinging curve he left the trail, drove at full tilt down the steep river bank, then reined his team in the nick of time right on to the ferry landing. The stage drivers of the 80s were rugged individualists. Alberta had the most unique of all. Men like Big Pete and Little Pete of the Edmonton-Calgary run, Frank Pollinger of Lethbridge, and Et and Maxie Brule of Pincher Creek. Their exploits and initiatives are one more colorful phase in the history of our Alberta. Father Lacombe, pioneer humanitarian. Years of habitant piety in a quiet Catholic seminary is hardly the ideal training for the hard pioneer life, but Albert Lacombe's ancestry included an Ojibwa chief and lusty voyageurs. His independent nature combined with courage and visions were exactly the qualities needed to help build a strong new land. Father Lacombe's adventurous life in the West was filled with colorful scenes, riding full tilt across the prairies, running his dog sled, his black robe tucked into his deerskin pants, sometimes almost starving and freezing while he'd labored for his church and the welfare of the Alberta natives. The evidence of his accomplishment stands proudly in schools, missions, and hospitals all over Alberta and in the Lacombe Hermitage at Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, founded by this great humanitarian. Truly, Father Lacombe deserves the honored place he holds in the proud heritage of our Alberta. Friends. Have you ever heard of a horse appearing in a court of law? One did, in our Alberta in 1930, as evidence of a horse thief's attempt to mutilate the brand. Cattle brands are the proud personal trademarks of Alberta's enterprising ranching industry. Among the 25,000 listed in the Alberta brand book are those of our many of our famous pioneers. Four of them, Senator Pat Burns, A.J. McLean, formerly of the Pecani Reserve, George Lane and A.E. Cross all have their names and brands commemorated by the Big Four Exhibition Building in Calgary. 
The trend in brands has changed from fancy hearts and wine glasses to three simple characters. But whatever their size or shape, brands are more than quaint heraldry of the West. They are constant reminders of our ruggedly different breed, the independent ranchers of our Alberta. Living Monument to Pat Burns Perhaps you've admired the beautiful trees that line both sides of the main highway south of Calgary. But have you ever wondered how they came to be there? That three-mile-long avenue of poplars is one of the philanthropic works of Pat Burns and the result of a trial tree-planting project carried out in 1929. During the dry years of the 30s, planting trees was a dubious venture, but Pat Burns was a man of leadership and initiative, accustomed to taking risks in all manners. Whether as large a venture as buying up tremendous tracts of land or herds of cattle, or as small as an experimental tree planting, the trees marked a portion of Pat Burns' Bow Valley Ranch which flanked both sides of the main road. The beauty which the trees add to the stretch of Alberta Highway is a permanent reminder of that enterprise of Pat Burns and the other men of his stature who encouraged during the proud formative years of our Alberta. Alberta Hospitality, then and now. Hospitality has always been a part of our Alberta heritage, though the way we show it changes over the years. In the Christmas season of 1848, the famous artist Paul Kane was given a proud welcome at Fort Edmonton and stayed over the new year. The holiday menu included boiled buffalo hump, a dish of dried moose nose known as mufre, whitefish delicately browned in buffalo marrow, buffalo tongue and beaver's tails. Later he said that no dinner set on linen with silver candelabra ever matched the zest of the feast served by those sturdy hunters and trappers. Today we serve on a different festive menu, but traditional hospitality is as famous as ever in our Alberta. Turner Valley How would you like to buy an oil drilling site for the price of a horse? In the late 90s, Lafayette French and Kootenay Brown actually did for the price of a horse by a slough showing traces of oil. This became Alberta's first drill site, of course on Cameron Creek in Waterton Lakes National Park. It produced oil, but, but mostly produced excitement. And soon afterwards, Alberta's oil story really began with Royalite Number no. 4 in the now famous Turner Valley. That well went down 3,740 feet and produced 21 million cubic feet of natural gas and 500 barrels of oil a day. 200 holes later in 1936, a wildcat put Turner Valley on the oil producing charts in a big way, and the next seven years added a million barrels to the valley's annual production. Today, Turner Valley is known as an outstanding ranching area as well as Alberta's first oil field, a million barrel reason for Albertans to be proud. Alberta's weekly newspaper editors. A good gauge of the economic and social health of a province is the number and quality of its weekly newspapers. 
such as the Pincher Creek Echo and Shooting the Breeze. Alberta ranks first in number of papers in the West, and the Alberta Weekly Editors Association is devoted to a light, lively exchange of ideas and the encouragement of highest editorial standards. The typical Alberta Weekly is, is often a one-person business, and the editor, his or her own advertising representative, reporter, editor, accountant, and printer. They know the community problems and enterprises, and because they are personal friends of most of the townspeople, editorials are factual and meaningful. Many Alberta weeklies have been quoted as examples of editorial writing at its best. Peppy, jointed, and pungent. Alberta weekly newspapers are the mirrors of the communities with editors who are known as original community leaders in our Alberta. And how could we get through this series without a tale of Kootenay Brown? John George Kootenay Brown was educated at Eton and Oxford. He fought in India as an officer in the British Army. Then he came to Alberta and settled in the Waterton Lake country. At that time, he was one of the very few non-Indigenous men in that district, his closest neighbor being almost 60 miles away. Kootenay Brown set up a trading post. At first, he only dealt with the passing Indigenous and the rare trapper, but soon his reputation for fair dealing spread and his trading area grew. He maintained a trader for many years, and then in the early 1900s, he was commissioned as the park guardian. A cairn was unveiled in 1936 in honor of John George Kootenay Brown, a colorful and enterprising figure of the early days of our Alberta. The Magic of Irrigation For the most part, southern Alberta is merely an extension of the Great American Desert and highly unsuitable for the growing of grain. Such were the predictions of Captain John Palliser in a report he made in 1860. Hardly a recommendation to would-be settlers, but look what happened. In 1878, a farmer named John Glenn irrigated 20 acres of land with water from Fish Creek. Soon after this, two squatters near Fort McLeod brought a small area under irrigation by using Beaver Creek. These small projects, initiated by courageous men, started an irrigation move that flooded the countryside with beautiful blossoms and bountiful grain. By 1895, there were 112 similar projects under operation by men of similar caliber, bringing 80,000 acres under irrigation. Today in the area of Lethbridge, Strathmore, Brooks and Vauxhall, there are sections and sections of producing land, enriching the adjacent communities and adding to the wealth of our Alberta. Waterton Lakes National Park Alberta is a province of many natural attractions as well as having the reputation of being a friendly, pleasant place with which to live. For example, Waterton National Park offers natural beauty, fun and excitement. Here is where the mountains rise abruptly from the plains. Here is where a subtle blending of purple, green and gold lend a warm and brilliant tone to rugged mountain peaks. Waterton is a favorite weekend and holiday destination. It provides ample modern accommodation, hotels, chalets, lodges and bungalow sites as well as rustic camping sites all lend to its charm. 
The people of Waterton and all Albertans are proud to offer visitors and friends the wealth of natural beauty and enjoyment available within the boundaries of our Alberta. Pictures on Stone Approximately 70 miles southeast of Alberta in the valley of the Milk River is a small area of cliffs which are covered with ancient picture writing. It is believed that wandering war parties inscribed their feats on this sandstone slate provided by nature. The Blackfoot once believed the carvings had been put there by spirits. Seeming to support this theory is a report that claims that the earth shook and that members of a war party were smitten with a peculiar weakness when they camped near the magical markings. Over the years, the elements have added their curves and lines, but you can still see clear outlines of pitched battles with warriors in full regalia and scenes depicting buffalo and bear hunts. In this setting of natural beauty, parts of a colorful history is kept alive, reminding us of the wondrous and diverse beginnings of our Alberta. Jimmy Harper's Salute out of Alberta's history have become many stories of courage and enterprise dealing with the struggles and deprivations our far fathers and mothers faced in the early days. And occasionally there were tales like one of Jimmy Harper, an enterprising store clerk who thought that Edmonton should give a 21-gun salute to the men who had helped to win the Boer War in South Africa. And of course, 30 men from Pincher Creek went off to that war and three did not return. But the fact that there were no cannon in Edmonton bothered him only briefly. He had two blacksmith friends lug their anvils to the top of the hill and stand them one on top of the other while he placed a charge of gunpowder in between. Then he lit the fuse and let the anvils blow. And admittedly, Jimmy and his cronies had to reset them between each bang. But so what? Edmonton fired history's most original 21-gun salute, which proves that if you're after originality, resourcefulness, and independence, and people willing to shoot off gunpowder, you'll find them in our Alberta. King of the Cattle Trails A famous Alberta cattle brand in days past was the TL, the initials of Tom Lynch one of the most enterprising horse and cattlemen of our province. Tom was true pioneer, adventurous, independent, courageous. He had pioneer hospitality offering bed and bread to any wayfaring stranger. It was Tom who in 1879 turned cattle loose near High River and opened up the untried area to prosperity. He improved Alberta's horse breeds and for years supplied the mounted police. It was horse sense which prop prompted him to buy a dejected-looking blue roan, which in spite of its appearance managed to outdistance all comers. Tom Lynch died relatively poor but rich in friends, to whom his generosity had been great. He has left us a legend of leadership and, and ability, which has enriched the heritage of our Alberta. The High River Little Britches Rodeo where else but in Alberta would people have the imagination and ability to stage a show like the High River Little Britches Rodeo? 
It all started back in 1959 when Harry Vold of DeWinton offered his rodeo stock for a junior-style stampede, provided that all the proceeds would go to children's sports activities in the community. This junior classic, in which all entrants must be under 16, shows the enterprise and originality typical of our province. Many of the youthful contestants have gone on to win honors in professional rodeo shows. Albertans are proud of the High River Little Bridges Rodeo, which is staged every Victoria Day weekend and has won worldwide acclaim. This is competition for the fun of it. Another example of the way public-spirited men and women work with young people in our Alberta. The Buckskin Brigadier The Alberta Field Force, enlisted in 1885, was unique in the annals of the Northwest. Its leader, Tom Strang, had put aside the scarlet uniform of the Royal Artillery for the buckskin and independent life of an Alberta rancher. When the Northwest Rebellion flared, he hastily recruited a rugged force of Alberta cowpunchers, homesteaders, bank tellers, and clerks. Farmers even left their spring seating to join the brigade. With a small but courageous column of mounted policemen and riflemen, they marched from McLeod to Edmonton and Fort Pitt, a distance further than any other force during the rebellion. They fought the last decisive battle against the Cree at Frenchman's Creek. And of course, here in southern Alberta, they formed the contingent formed the Rocky Mountain Rangers to patrol the boundary country. General Tom Strang helped carry his wounded home from the field, then returned quietly to ranching. Today, he is remembered as the Buckskin Brigadier, a proud figure in the history of our Alberta. Our Heritage in Pictures. It is said that a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, much of our Alberta heritage has been preserved in pictures. For this, we salute our pioneer photographers. Men like Calgary's Harry Pollard, Edmonton's late Ernest Brown, and many more. Thanks to their initiative and pride in our province, you and I can gaze into the faces of our early homesteaders. That hardy, enterprising breed who gave birth to the ruggedly individualistic province of Alberta. We can see how they lived and worked while building a new country. We can see palisaded forts, cattle roundups, the legendary bull trains on the Whoop-Up Trail. While looking at the work of men like Brown and Pollard and so many others, we can point with pride to our past, and that's well worth doing now and then as we continue to make progress in the free, independent climate of our Alberta. The Man Who Tamed a Cyclone Cyclone was a fire-eating bronc, a man-killer who presented a problem to the 1912 Calgary Stampede organizers. No one could be found who could ride the wild horse, and he was about to be withdrawn from the show. Glenn Campbell, in charge of the Department of Indian Affairs, would not hear of it and insisted, There's a man who can ride him. A blood cowboy named Tom Three Persons. But Tom Three Persons was in jail. When the Mounties heard of the problem, they cooperated by releasing the prisoner under bond. He was rushed to the infield just in time to ride Cyclone, and what a ride it was. Spectators gasped with the contest between a proud, determined rider and a killer horse, which could end with only one victor. 
The duel finished with Cyclone at a standstill and Tom still in the saddle. Tom later became a successful rancher. He will be best remembered as the man who tamed a cyclone here in our Alberta. And you can see his shaps, his boots, and much, much of his regalia on display at Pioneer Place in the Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. Harry Camus Taylor. When the Mounted Police came to Alberta, one of the first offenders to run afoul of the law was Harry Camus Taylor. He was fined for trading whiskey and had his buffalo hide profits confiscated. After that, each time he saw a Mountie in a buffalo coat, he would swear he recognized the hide as one taken from him. Be that as it may, Camus reformed and became a respectable hotel owner at Fort McLeod. There, Canada's original Ranchers Association was organized. An enterprising man, Camus posted a set of rules, one of which read, All guests required to rise at 6 a.m. as sheets may be needed for tablecloths. A sign which appeared over the door read, In God we trust, all others cash. Yes, Camus Taylor was a humorous, colorful character. A pioneer with the independence, courage and pride in which are part of our heritage of our Alberta. The Cowboy Judge, Billy Ives. You can say that Billy Ives was a distinguished judge, or you can say that he was a top-hand cowboy. Either way, you're right. As a 14-year-old boy in the 1880s, Billy Ives was already a veteran of the Roundup, and by the age of 20, he had ridden for some of Southern Alberta's biggest outfits. Then, this enterprising man did the unexpected. He went back to school, then on to McGill University, and graduated in law. The call of this pioneer independent land made him return, and he began to practice law in Lethbridge in 1901. Thirteen years later, he became Mr. Justice Ives and presided as an Alberta Supreme Court judge for 30 years. Man and boy, Billy Ives' courage and dynamic leadership played a significant role in the development of our Alberta. Well, that's it, folks. Uh, my voice has just about had it, and I feel like I'm ready to uh, start calling chuck wagon races at the Stampede now. <laughs> and this uh, is just a, uh, one thing I wanted to editorialize about some of these things. We they talk a lot about independence and pioneer spirit and that sort of a thing as being part of the makeup of Alberta, and it's not wrong. But I want you to remember one thing. Um, Pioneers and our independent ranchers and cowboys and and pioneer women and school teachers and such wouldn't have gotten along if they'd have acted alone. Um, let's remember, folks, John Wayne is just a Hollywood stereotype. He's a lot of fun to watch, but uh, I feel if Hollywood really wanted to show something, they would show John Wayne uh, forming a cooperative. You know, getting along with his neighbors, and uh, not that he doesn't, but you know, <laughs> this comes out of the 1960s, and it's not fair to hang everything on John Wayne. But we do have, we do have an independent streak in this province, and that's a good thing. And sometimes it can be a bad thing, and we are really starting to notice that with this 
I think, with what is coming out through this pandemic. I think most of Alberta really wants to get through it, wants to do our bit, wants to make sure that we don't make other people sick, and we want to get vaccinated against it. And of course, there's a small majority that uh, feels otherwise and feels that their freedoms and liberties are being infringed, and in some ways they are, but this is a disaster. Um, as I was uh, reading through these things, I was thinking of a, a friend of mine in Pincher Creek, Mr. James Van Leuven, who always says, you know, I love Alberta, but sometimes we can't get over ourselves. And um, folks, when it comes to disaster, there's rights and there's liberty and there's freedoms, but freedom comes with responsibility. And it comes with the responsibility to not just go off and do what you want. Um, you wouldn't think of running away from a house on fire without trying to help your neighbors, trying to or lend him a garden hose or making sure that their families are safe. So let's do that in this pandemic. Let's just try to get along. Um, and I think that the more we cooperate, the faster we'll get past this and get on to a new road. I, I don't like to use the word back to normal because this has been a, a global event and global events change things. It changes people, it changes times and we see that through the study of history. And let's just get along here in Alberta and get past this, uh, this crisis. And at any rate, I'll just stop trying to be Debbie Downer here and I hope that you did get something all out of these Alberta Heritage Minutes. Um, and I hope there was, wasn't too many more minutes. There's actually quite a few. Um, I've tried to just do a kind of a selection that had to do, you know, mostly to do with Southern and Southwest Alberta and figures that we would recognize. But uh, if you want to hear more of these, you know, uh, hear stories of the of the Peace River or, or more stories of Edmonton and Calgary and other parts of Alberta, you know, please let me know if you've enjoyed this and we can always do a few more. Thank you and uh, uh, hope we get through the May long weekend snowstorm and back to a, uh, a true summer and hopefully the summer of recovery and a summer of reflection as well. Bye everybody. Thank you for listening to Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. This episode was researched and written by historians Farley Wood and Gord Tolton. This podcast is recorded and engineered by Gord Tolton. Episodes can be found at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcatcher. Visit our website at www.kootenaybrown.ca. Kootenay is spelled K O O. T-E-N-A-I. Also, visit and join our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more information on our museum, or even better, visit us at 1037 Beverly McLaughlin Drive in beautiful Pincher Creek, Alberta.